Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Sell order assessment fee not included. A limited number of ETFs are subject to a transaction-based service fee of $100. See full list at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, the New York Stock Exchange. A lot of news to start a holiday-shortened week. Dow futures are down as Apple does warn on Q1. Walmart misses the guides below. U.S. weighs some wider restrictions on Huawei. Europe is firmly red on similar growth concerns. Got the 30-year yield below two this morning and the 10-year around 155. Our roadmap begins with Apple's coronavirus warning, cautioning it does not expect to meet quarterly revenue forecasts. Shares are sinking and dragging the Dow down with it. Plus, quote, big tech needs more regulation. Why Mark Zuckerberg is calling for more scrutiny of Facebook. And Walmart earnings and outlook fall short as the holiday season takes a hit. We're going to hear exclusively from Doug McMillan in just a few moments. We'll start, though, with Apple down in the pre-market. The company does warn it will not meet its prior revenue projection due to the coronavirus outbreak. Apple says the virus has limited iPhone production and resulted in weaker demand in China. Jim was just talking about getting hit on both the supply and the demand side, although that original range was above estimates. So how much are we really losing? Well, I I think that people don't want to hear this because I think everyone that I spoke to, the chatters, come on, Jim, it's really bad. I actually disagree in terms of the rest of the world. It's actually gotten better. Uh, that's part of what I hear, what I'm, my work I do. Uh, the, don't forget, a lot of service revenue. That changes the way you would normally look at this. I think why people just want to look at a hardware company. The only thing I'm concerned about is, is that there are six or seven plants uh, in this uh, Wuhan, Bay area, that are uh, not theirs, that supply, that are kind of offline. They have to adjust. They can't adjust outside of China. They will find places in China that can make the parts. But the shopping... Uh, and Eunice Yu's really done a remarkable job at this. There's just not a lot of shopping. So uh, in the end, what do you do when people don't shop and you're selling something? And the answer is, well, you say, look, we can't make the numbers. Uh, I am surprised the stock's only down six. It was down 12 earlier. Uh, I guess there are people who think that this thing's more under control than I do. Uh, I know that Dave and I have been speaking off camera how um, nervous I am. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about that and about the impact on Apple and others in the country. Yeah. But I know we do want to as well get to yep. uh, Walmart this morning. Uh, Walmart's another big story. Uh, the investment uh, community taking note of their earnings. Big meeting underway here at the big board on the day in which the company did miss. Let's go to Courtney Reagan, who is with CEO Doug McMillan. Morning, Court. Hi, good morning to you, Carl. That's right. We are just upstairs from where you are at the New York Stock Exchange. Walmart is holding its investor day, and we've grabbed CEO Doug McMillan for a couple minutes during a break. Thank you so much for doing this with us. So you reported your fourth quarter and your full year. A little disappointing compared to what analysts were looking for, for profit, for earnings, even maybe the U.S. comparable sales, although still strong, I would I would say, compared to many other retailers. What happened in the fourth quarter? Yeah, overall, we're pleased with the year, but the fourth quarter wasn't our best. Uh, we had a 1.9% comp. We had a strong November all the way through. Cyber Monday was good. Thanksgiving was good. Had a strong January. But there were a few weeks before Christmas where sales in stores were softer than what we planned. Um, it's good to see our e-commerce growth continue. Um, we grew 35% for the quarter, so that was terrific. Customers continue to come to Walmart.com, and the e-commerce shift is well underway. But there are some things we did in stores that we think we need to change up for next year. Had a hard time finding a hot toy. Had some issues with apparel. Um, some of those things were self-inflicted. And that's kind of a good point because Walmart's grocery has been strong for some time. General merchandise, though, sometimes not as strong. Is Walmart just going to need to lean more into grocery to hit those numbers or can general merchandise be fixed? Yeah, general merchandise is still really important to us. It's big and it's growing and we just had some issues in toys, media and gaming and apparel. We had strengths in electronics and some of the other hard lines categories. So both in stores and online, GM's still really important to us and we wanted to grow even faster. We just have to be able to do both at the same time. We've got to have store growth and online growth, food and consumer growth and general merchandise growth to make the mix work. And 
So that's what we'll get done. And so you're talking about the full year going forward here. You just were speaking with Chief Financial Officer Brett Biggs about this. And when you look at the earnings, the range is also below Wall Street analysts' expectations. But you've said that coronavirus so far is not having a major impact because your stores in China are open and you've lowered your exposure to sourcing tariffs and other reasons. So what's going on with the guidance and how is coronavirus embedded in there or not? Well, it's not in our guidance. Let me talk a little bit about our expectations. We think the consumer's economy, the the economy for this next year, will be about the same as it is this year. That's our underlying assumption. And growing about 3% top line and 3% operating income, we think is a strong performance. And that's what results in that guidance. As it relates to the coronavirus, it's too difficult to tell at this early stage exactly how to forecast it. So what we shared this morning is, if you go to the priorities that we have. First, it's our associates and customers and safety on the ground in China. We're still operating our stores, almost all of them. In fact, I think all of them are open, but operating in some cases, majority of cases, on reduced hours. And the shift from um, selling the whole store has pivoted to food and consumables. You can imagine if you're living in China right now, you're focused on fresh food and the staples that you need to have at home. We're also seeing delivery from our stores into apartments and into into homes grow at an even faster rate than it was before. And it was almost triple digit last year. So a huge amount of growth as it relates to delivery from our stores. Um, Shipping and product coming out of China into the U.S. and other markets is an issue, but in the U.S., about two-thirds of what we sell is made in the U.S.A. The other third doesn't all come from China, and we've been acting to buy goods that are already here, made in the U.S.A., already in the country to try and offset some of the things that we might otherwise feel pressure from. So it's too difficult to call right now exactly what will happen in the quarter, but we've said because of what's happening on the ground in China, our Chinese business, not the rest of the world, we do expect to have some impact, but we're not currently putting that into our guidance. And so Walmart, of course, is a very international business, though a lot of focus on the U.S. business. This quarter, though, you saw some impact from disruption, political unrest in Chile, and you had a number of store issues there. The U.K., Canada continues to be soft. Should you maybe just exit some of these international markets, focus solely on the U.S.? We have some great businesses outside the United States. The business in Mexico is the first one that comes to mind. But our business in Canada over time has been terrific. It's a a really big business and has a really nice return. We've got a tremendous opportunity in India with the investments we made in Flipkart and PhonePay. Um, China, Sam's Club continues to be really strong. A little bit later today, we're going to be walking through the international portfolio. Do we need to be in every market that we're in? Nope. But we'll make good decisions at the right time as it relates to how the portfolio changes shape. But we shouldn't lump all of our businesses together into one bucket because some of these are really outstanding businesses. Help us understand what's going on with e-commerce. There seems to be a lot of changes there. For a while, you were acquiring a lot of these smaller businesses. That seems to have stopped, and you've sold off ModCloth. You've seen some executive departures in that area. Jet Black has closed. But now you're looking at operating losses to be flat to maybe lower for next year compared to this year. So what's going on under the surface. Yeah, let's categorize them. So if you go back to what happened when we acquired Jet, we really found that it served as a tremendous catalyst for Walmart.com. Mark and the team joined. We saw a lower cost to acquire a customer in Walmart. We saw the opportunity to really focus on it and grow it. And so that's what we've done. These other acquisitions that we made, some of them have been just what we thought they would be. They've increased our assortment, for example, shoes.com, art.com, Hay Needle, which came with Jet when we bought Jet helped us get category volume, buyers, category specialists, brands that we didn't have before. Over the last couple of years, we've added over 7,500 brands to Walmart.com. Many of those came with those acquisitions. So in that category of assortment acquisitions, we would do those all over again. Really has been beneficial to the company. In some of the other cases, ModCloth would be one of the examples where we had a digitally native vertical brand. That one hasn't worked out like we planned. But when you're taking risk and growing, some of these things aren't going to work. And I am okay with that um, as long as it's not too significant and a repetitive issue. But net-net, e-commerce growth, food, plus Walmart.com, plus now with the acquisition that we've made of Flipkart and PhonePay, we've now got a business that this coming year, the year we just started, will be about $50 billion in net sales just in e-commerce. So we've got the right chess pieces. We're learning how to put Omni together, which is really how customers want to shop and have a lot of strings to play with. So I'm glad we did it. You've been through a period of a lot of innovation. You mentioned some of them, and some of them are, going, are not going to work out. That's sort of the nature of being innovative and entrepreneurial. But has any of that sort of curved your appetite for pushing that further with the recent closure of now, Jet Black as an example? Yeah, let's talk about that. I don't think we handled the conversation around Jet Black as well as we could have. What we wanted to learn was how to do conversational commerce, voice and text, 
and we learned how to do that. So what's happening is we're taking that function, that capability, and we're going to pivot it to apply to a Walmart market with Walmart products, and we're really excited about doing that. The way we set up the test in Jet Black, you could order anything via text, and we would run all over town buying from any retailer in addition to Walmart. Obviously, that's got a high cost to serve, but we did it to get the data so that we would understand what we, people were buying and how they would respond to using text and voice. Big check mark on learned that. So this was kind of always part of the plan. Um, we didn't think we were going to scale a big business with this model in Manhattan. And so we look at that as a successful experiment as part of store number eight, and now we pivot into the Walmart world and take advantage of it. What about things like in-home delivery, putting the groceries exactly and right yeah. into your fridge? Yeah, I'm, I'm still super excited about that. You know, we went to Pittsburgh, Vero Beach, and Kansas City last fall, just a few stores in each market, and we have a really high retention rate. Um, and I got to visit the associates in Kansas City recently that do deliveries into the home and, and make a delivery. And customers love it. I mean, I think there's going to be a time when a lot of Americans are either into their garage or some sort of a box outside their house. And in many cases, all the way into the kitchen. They're going to let us um, serve them and just pay a membership fee. And the items you buy all the time, we'll learn how to just keep you in stock like we do stores. And I think it's going to be a winner. That's one of those things that some people can't get their head around. Others think it's going to be great. So you'll have to keep us updated on people that. People are skeptical, and then they try it, and then they don't want to stop. That's true. Like Uber, getting into cars of strangers we don't know, for example. That's one, one business that has scaled. There's been a number of executive departures at Walmart, which has been a little different from what we've seen in years past. Folks like yourself spend their entire career at Walmart. We've um, seen Steve Bratsby's go, and Greg Foran, Ashley Buchanan, Andy Dunn from the digital business. Is sort of the tenure of an executive changing at Walmart? Should we read something into this? No. And first of all, I'd like to say thank you to them. I mean, just take Greg, for example. He did an incredible job. Um, the reasons that they've left are personal reasons, and there's no common thread related to them. And the people that are now in these roles, I'm super excited about. I mean, John Ferner's a 26-year associate. He's worked all over the company. He's going to do a great job taking the foundation that Greg helped build and make it move faster and, and become even more innovative. Mm. Um, you're going to see Scott McCall, who became our chief merchant. He's a long-term Walmart associate and get to know him. Dakona Smith got promoted to run operations. He's been with the company for almost 30 years. We've got a lot of depth, um, and then we have a lot of officers. And there will always be a story to tell about officer turnover at Walmart because we have so many. And uh, before we let you go, I know you got a meeting to get back to here just down the hall. State of the U.S. consumer changing, the same study? Yeah, pretty much the same. You know, low unemployment, um, low fuel prices, no inflation, all those things are helpful. We think this next year looks a lot like last year. Keep us in check and keep us updated on everything that's going on with the company. Doug McMillan, thank you very Thanks, much. Gordon. CEO of Walmart, he's going to run down the hall and get back to Investor Day. For now, I'm going to send it down to you guys downstairs. <laughs> we wish we had more time with you and him, Cord. Great stuff. Thank you, our Courtney Reagan with Doug McMillan. Uh, shares were lower pre-market, but as you can see, positive yeah. now uh, on the heels of the div hike or something else. Well, you know, you got a, uh, using a 5 to 5.15 number. Why not give it a multiple that's north of target? That's roughly around where Lowe's is, not as good as Home Depot. And you come up with a price that's exactly where it is, if not a little bit higher. Uh, we care about the future, not the past. We're dealing with an incredibly self-effacing man who uh, is willing to say that they disappointed, even as I don't think it was nearly as much disappointing as others. Uh, Although so, it is the biggest earnings miss relative to expectations in, what, five years? Well, I think that what you got is after Target, you had everybody kind of frantically trying to price in what the story was. So you, you, didn't, you weren't dealing with something that was a miss of the magnitude that a lot of people felt it would be. Uh, you know, also, this is a company, people are willing to give this company the doubt because it really has done such a remarkable job. I've met with the team on a jet. And I thought they were doing better than they were. It, 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 I think they think they're doing better. But I, McMillan lowers the boom so, to some degree on them, uh, which I thought, I know I, I liked, uh, was gratuitous. I mean, because in the end, what is he offering? He's offering the future. He's offering a vision that is, look, there's a box. Ward will put it in if you trust your Walmart guy. And why don't you? Because it's a local business. We don't have it in New York. So I was quite, uh, I'm more sanguine than Doug, which is really kind of incredible. That's yeah, listening to him, though, it does remind you the lack of defensiveness in his tone. Yes. Willingness to take risk, as he just said, willingness to, uh, you know, we'll take risk. We are seeking growth. Sometimes we'll get it right. Sometimes they may not. But it's a different tone, uh, and it has been for some time, 
certainly since he took over, and it's yes. been a number of years. I can remember when they surprised everybody. The last time they were here, remember they were on in the morning, and it was a terrible day for the stock. Yeah, he came back on mad money. That's no longer the case no. Um, no. because investors do seem to believe, and you can just hear it there in terms of, again, the, he's, not, he's not defensive. He's willing to put it out there. He's obviously got the benefit of having an incredibly large shareholder, almost a 50% shareholder in the family, which is behind him. Uh, and has allowed them to do things that perhaps other retailers were simply not in a position to do to try to compete. Right. Also, um, $50 billion in e-com for the year uh, is a dramatic increase from last year. Plus 30%, which is remarkable given the, the base, uh, which is very high. I think this is a person who has taken more lessons from Costco than he's taken from others. Uh, he's a cut above what, what I'm used to from Walmart. I really think that that he has uh, got to figure it figured out. Like David said, he took a lot of risk. He said he takes a lot of risks, and I think others can't because of that share, uh, because of that remarkable shareholder. Uh, I think that, I know this sounds very ethereal. I think the stock's going up because people are saying, damn, he's good. He's a, he's a multiplier of a turn or two higher. Not unlike what we're going to talk about with DuPont later, where you just feel like, Ah, I like that. And I, when I deal with the jet guys, when I first heard that they could come into your house, it's like, do I really want them in my house? Well, but it, you, they've got body cameras. You can watch them come in uh, if they touch anything. Well, obviously, you know, you give them a code. The code is one time only. Uh, and then the code disappears. Uh, would I have them go to my house? Absolutely. Oh, I think it's fascinating to hear him talk about that vision, which uh, undaunted and sort of how that delivery is eventually going to take place at scale. Right. I mean, right? if you're me and you're jammed, uh, I'll stop at the supermarket on the way home. I'll get my chicken. I'll get my milk. I'll get my orange juice. Well, throw in a call, but get a salad. I mean, give me a break. Can't you put that in my fridge? If I can judge by the number of Amazon trucks on my block on a given day now with endless unloading of endless. Amazon for endless and the box is piling up, by the way. Great job, uh, Bezos, on the $10 billion, but let's start thinking just about boxes and that shrink right. wrap. The yes. shrink wrap's all over the neighborhood, blowing out of the, blowing out of the, the, yeah, their the truck, truck, blowing off the, I don't know. But the number of boxes is unbelievable. It's the way people shop, and I think people are all about time. I think Doug understands time better than anyone. By the way, Target's initiative is not bad. The pickup is shipped. Right. But I, I do believe when people hear this, if they have a house like I do, where they're, I mean, in New York, they're space constrained. Me, they're not I mean, like your apartment in New York. No, but no. That, I mean, I have a house where I, I just want to go online. I, you know, I lose about 22 minutes going to the show. Yeah. I like to check oh, where I say hi. Not insignificant. Way. So if, if people are trading up on, on the, oh, wow, he's good idea, can we, will that translate to Apple later today? I mean, well, I think Apple, Apple's getting the benefit of the doubt beyond, I think, what even Tim Cook would, would say. I mean, remember, we've got two problems with Apple. You've got the supply and the demand. Uh, we have some market. Uh, can I just say, this is a bull market excellence. When I got the word on Apple, I mean, it was kind of like, all right, here it goes. This is the beginning. Uh, and Micron goes down, and Qualcomm goes down a little, and Apple's down 11 and Apple's down seven. I mean, if Apple closes up, I got to tell you, I have no, I have no value added whatsoever oh. by doing my work, which says that Apple, my work. What is my work? It's like I'm trying to figure yeah, what to towns your, aren't buying. To your point, it's not as though Apple has been discounting this possibility. The shares have been performing extraordinarily well all year in the face of mounting evidence that people were not going out in China right. and going to work. Well, they also did give you, uh, they, they, they caveated their downside when they reported. Yeah. And I think, frankly, that we were all kind of surprised that they're that they have so much uh, capacity supply chain away from what is basically a martial law coordinated area. No, it's um, it's almost some somebody's put it like this. It's as if you had an economic experiment and you said for a month, everyone is going to stay in their homes. What happens to commerce? What happens to markets? You, you, you need That's a whole exactly pass. what we're witnessing. Right. You need a whole pass to get outside your home. And when you get outside your home, you're buying food. It does. It's almost it's a warlike footing. It's, and we and listen, we've talked about the benefits, perhaps, to e-commerce because people can deliver things to your home. However, Alibaba told us our delivery guys also are right. Delivery's supply. not that good. But you know what? Your iPhone's got a million things on it. And, uh, you know, people, I don't know what people do in China when they, pay, they play video games. They, look at, they can do it on their iPhone. Uh, they got a lot of time on their hands. And we just hope that they don't get sick. Uh, I believe that there's a lot of people who get sick that we don't know about and they get better. 
But obviously, China's more opaque. I mean, we're getting most of our information from a damn cruise ship. Yeah. I would like it to be able to get okay. a little more. Your point is a good one on the death rate. There's, there seems little doubt that there are many people who are not being included. Right. Who have mild symptoms and therefore right. the numbers are going to look a lot more in terms of cases and a lot fewer in terms of A lot of mortality. disinformation, too. A lot of disinformation. Yeah. That is just, you know, Dr. Fauci, it's 2%. You know, this naught number, it's 2 I hear people, and we had a guest on that basically just said, you know, everybody's going to get it. And I'm like saying... Ah, come on. I wish it weren't. Yeah. Um, I mean, am I ready for it? I mean, I got all the stuff like everybody else. You should be ready for it. Why not be ready for it? You have the carbon mask? I'll give you some carbon mask. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, don't miss a special report tonight, of course, as usual, uh, on the coronavirus outbreak at 7 p.m. Eastern time, right here on CNBC. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. A lot more to get to, including DuPont, Buffett, Kroger. You'll love the calls on Tesla today. Let's look at futures. Walk on the streets back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, we get started with trading in just a few minutes from now uh, as uh, for the first week, uh, for the first day of a shortened week. Uh, let's talk semis, of course. You know, the Apple warning, evolving situation is certainly potentially going to have an impact right. on some other names. Right. Too. It's almost as if these companies are being hurt more than Apple. I get that. The guessing game is on. I think Morgan Stanley provides you with the best answers. They are saying that Skywork Solutions has the greatest exposure to Apple, 50% of sales, followed by Corvo, which is 30, Broadcom in the mid-teens, Qualcomm uh, above 10. So what happens is, is that people are all going to bet against these companies, and I understand that. Uh, I would say that if you bet against them and there's any uh, continued decline in the deaths outside the cordon area, then you'll say, why did I sell it? But I, I get it. I mean, where do the sellers go? Do they feel like they have to knock down a 4% yielder? Well, I mean, I guess a hedge fund would. I, I would be careful in, knock, in shorting them. You, you're really making a bet that things will get considerably worse. Right. I don't know if that's a good bet or a bad bet. But I'll tell you one thing. It's certainly not within the purview of anyone who covers stocks. No. It's a medical issue. But, right. But there's also this question as to whether you'll make up for the lack of demand later or right. whether it is lost. Exactly right. And when I do my work on this, what people tell me is, hey, you know what? It's just going to be deferred. Now, David, we are in some sort of happy moment because when I first heard this yesterday, I mean, I was with my wife. We're walking around town and I said, OK, this is the beginning. What will it mean? And, and there's an incredible kind of a otherworldliness. It's not meaning that much. In another market, David, these stocks would be down 10%. Skyworks down 10%. I mean, they have such exposure to Apple and to the, you know, Micron would be down What is big. that other market, Jim? The market that you and I are used to. Not this market. This market is dominated by S&P funds, 60% say. They don't, no S&P fund takes action on this. S&P funds buy. Right. The algorithm day is probably, maybe it's in the sun, sunset. You know, S&P comes in, these go up. Money comes in. To be it's, new, it's new, David. It's new. It's new, Triceratops. It's new. Yes, we may very well be. Thank you for not calling me a brontosaurus. I'd like to think more of a T-Rex. <laughs> we got a lot more squawk in the street for you, of course. An opening bell's coming in about four minutes. Stay with us. A lot more news stories to get to, too, this morning. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. 
From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world. The opening bell in 90 seconds, a holiday-shortened week, but there's a lot being thrown at the market today. We've been through Apple and Walmart today, uh, two weeks from Super Tuesday, Nevada caucuses on Saturday. Uh, Empire was pretty good, uh, 12.9 versus estimate 4.5, a nine-month high. New orders, Jim, uh, best since 2017. Market's not going to really pay a lot of attention no, to that. That's funny. Uh, orders down 7% in Europe. Orders being hit, of course, obviously very hard in China. So we are the bright light everywhere. Uh, I, again, I mean, I, I think that we're just we're a function of employment. That's an employment number. Uh, employment remains incredibly strong in this country. So you're getting these terrific numbers. Obviously, if we were just doing if we're doing employment around the world, we're the best. Uh, we just have a good good and insulated economy. I do think that ConAgra, which you have not mentioned, t- talked about food service being weak. I wonder how much Kroger would be down if it weren't from Buffett buying that position in Kroger. General Mills uh, commenting on China sales, only about 4% of the total, but a lot of that's Haagen-Dazs. Haagen-Dazs, 40% of China for General Mills, and those stores are closed. Discovering who has China and who doesn't. Uh, I was funny. I was thinking, how does Nike stay up here? They have so much China. They are the equivalent of Apple. And uh, you don't have Donahoe coming out and saying anything, the new CEO. But people seem to be saying, all right, so what? Yeah. An outright so what should eventually bring out sellers who say, why not get out when the getting's good? And I'm waiting for those sellers to appear later today. Nike, uh, General Mills, Ah, where are they? We'll look for that. At the big board today, in honor of the first day of trade, uh, construction supplier Alta Equipment Group at the NASDAQ, uh, Sirens, a provider of AI-powered automotive assistance to automakers. You guys were talking about chips over at the Telestrator. Yes. Uh, The dynamic is the same in Europe with ST Micro, uh, Dialogue. You forget Apple supply chain is not just uh, U.S.-based. Right. Uh, Again, I think there are lots of people who say, more than I thought, by the way, that, you know what, this thing's going to be solved and solved uh, in a time where it's not going to hurt one more It'll hurt a quarter. It won't hurt more than a quarter. So we believe this is a V, not an L. Is that debate settled? Wow, I like that. A V, not an L. Yes. And I think that people are beginning to say the equivalent of a bomb went off in this one part of China and the rest of China is doing well. Uh, and our knowledge of this all, the, all is a cab driver in Taiwan, uh, some Singapore, and then the and Carnival Cruise. Yeah, I mean, Gottlieb's saying Japan could be on the cusp of an outbreak. He's been cautious this whole time. Yes, he's been, I think, what, you know, a beacon in this. But now, I don't know. I went on the Carnival website for ships that you can take. Tally ho. I mean, so what is Carnival doing? It's up. Now, if, if there is a, a company that has got worse publicity than Carnival, I can't find it. And Carnival's up. Now, the balance sheet's good, so I guess that makes sense. But doesn't anyone think that there are resellers? Carnival? I mean, I want... But is it impairing the long-term, the long-term uh, ability of the company to... to Absolutely. Grow? Absolutely. You think it is? Yes, I think, it think it's going to have a long-term impact. I do think that it's going to, I don't know, here's what I think people keep saying to me. It's a 9-11 airplane, in that there was a, there was a period where you didn't want to fly, and then there was a period where you said, you're okay. Uh, I tend to think that there are people who say, I don't want to be in a congregate, congregated area, and I'm surprised that that one Diamond Princess just seemed like an incubation area. Uh, they just, more and more... But then we're all waiting for the 14 days, 14 days with the plane. I think people were surprised that there was a tent within a plane. Didn't expect that. There is a plethora of narratives about how bad this is. 
And I am surprised that people are saying it's not that bad. Buy Carnival. Why do you have to buy Carnival here? Why do you have to court that? I don't know. But if you look at the at the cruise site, it's like, wow, maybe I'll take that one to Alaska. Chinese flight capacity in greater China is down 80%. It's smaller than Portugal's aviation market right now. I mean, this mar- you know what this market says? That Portugal market's booming. <laughs> um, we, we should get to a number of other movers this morning. You guys mentioned ConAgra right before yeah. the uh, open. It is down over 6%. The company, we got Cagney this, this week, of course, uh, where all of these consumer companies, or many of them, Jane J apparently not there, but many of the big consumer companies will be starting uh, today. But uh, in in front of that, ConAgra said its uh, fiscal year 20 organic sales growth would fall within a range of flat to up 0.5%. It had originally been forecasting 1 to 1.5%. It is citing um, issues encountered mainly industry-wide in terms of softness across both food service and retail channels. Uh, and so the question is, how many other companies that present at Cagney this week will similarly cons- uh, confirm some of those uh, question marks or right. some of those confirm some of those concerns? Um, we heard from Kraft Heinz last week. That stock got hit, got a downgrade in its debt to junk by Fitch as well. Right. But, uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. You can see it's having an impact on ConAgra. Okay, well, look, if you're a hedge fund manager, the first thing you would do is you'd say, all right, well, that's like Cisco. That's why, why. So let's short Cisco. Let's bang it down. The stock's barely down. I'd say, by the way, I'm talking about the SYY, meaning food service. Right. Uh, Pulse has been, according to the, at least the reports, are increasing it. Uh, just in terms of the uh, uh, the ironic, uh, Kraft Heinz teams up with Six Flags. So you've got the worst of the food, serve, of the food and you've got the worst of the entertainment. There you go. That's two sailors, two <laughs> drunken sailors get together and... Well, the aircraft carrier runs well. No. What are they teaming up to do? Do you know? Uh, It's a multi-year marketing partnership. Got it. Got it. Um, How can SYY? I mean, honestly. I know. But, you know, it's funny. The General Mills of the world made a a choice. They went in big on pet food, for example. Yeah. And it seems to have not been a bad decision. No, that was initially. paying a big number. Blue Buff. Yeah. They came in and, and they even had to do a gigantic equity offering very low after buying a lot of stock very high. But Blue Buff, as anyone would tell you, is the antidote to what kind of dog food? Chinese. So, I mean, we, do we use Blue Buff? Yeah, it's got that American flag on it. You feel really great about it. Uh, I, I, do we use Chewy? No, I guess we should. Chewy made some nice pictures of our dogs. NVIDIA looked great in that. Speaking of NVIDIA, there's a stock that would be down. Bespoke had an item out this morning. Hits an all-time high on Friday after falling 50%. In the second half of last year, has there been a faster recovery for a no. stock of this size? There's a woman named Colette Kress. She's the CFO. It, it's very intimidating to talk to her. She's obviously smarter than everybody other than Jensen Wong. You go over what's going on. Obviously, they've got rid of the Bitcoin. They're really about AI. They're about machine learning. They're about data center. And they're about being smarter than we are, which right. they are. By the way, it's not arrogance whatsoever. It's just reality. I find when I'm out there... Uh, that when I went to when I had Stanford as my backup school and I turned it down, that obviously I was oblivious, because if you went to Stanford, David, you're smarter than we are. Well, it was a different except time. for Elizabeth Holmes who dropped down. Yes, she did. She, if she had gotten her degree, would we be speaking to her as someone who's a genius? I don't know. I don't know. Either. I didn't expect that name to pop up, but you know, you never know. You never know you because never know the people going that. But I mean, Nvidia, look. Um, they have the chips we want. Don't forget, they have a thing called Ray Trace, so they make every video game the equal of a movie. Right. I was reading about that on the conference call last week. It was really incredible. That was good conference call. and the lighting. Didn't you like that Guys, conference? Do you, know that, do you I, know that... I said that conference call was like a window on the future. You well, it was, it was, it was conference call. You know what that conference call is like? What? Saison. Saison. You like it. Okay. First time that they made... Still uh, life? Impressionist. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Impressionist still right with shading. I, I think I know this is outrageous, but when I met with Jensen, yeah. it was a modern art class. It was about the evolution from realist. We didn't get to Rothko. Close to it. Yeah, I saw some yesterday. Rothko? Yeah. I went to the Museum of Modern Art. I did. Um, you are a cultured son of a... You, uh, wow. I don't get there very often. Let's... Uh, we got a deal this morning in the asset management business that we haven't gotten to. That no, we yeah. Should. Of course, Lake Mason getting bought by Franklin Resources. 
Uh, $4.5 billion deal, roughly. Also $2 billion, I think, of Lake Mason outstanding debt will, uh, will roll in. Um, 50 bucks was the number. You can see, I, I am more impressed by the response in Franklin Research. You mean that Ben's uh, up? The fact that Ben is up and up sharply. Now, they had a lot of cash. They had as much as $8 billion in cash. And oh. investors seem to be applauding their decision to use some of that cash to acquire Lake Mason. It is, as I said, an all-cash deal at 50 bucks a share uh, and will therefore be accretive, of course, uh, the use of cash helping in that as well. It gives them scale. Uh, gives them scale in a what may be a rapidly consolidating industry, one in which we were talking about it earlier when we were up at the, the Telestrator there, of course. The proliferation of ETFs and index funds and all the money going in there, shrinking constant pressure on fees uh, is certainly a key thing that Lake Mason was trying to deal with as it tried to rein in costs but had some difficulty in doing that. And so uh, this, was the, this was the name. They'd been talking for a while. They didn't run a process, I'm told, um, by people who would know. Uh, but uh, the expectation is shareholders will be quite happy with that outcome. And Franklin Resources shareholders also seemingly quite happy as well. A billion, trillion and a half is what they will now manage when the two companies get together. And they do get that jewel in Western Asset, for example, uh, Western Asset Management, of course, fixed income. They scale in asset classes. They scale in geography. Uh, and that's a look, at least thus far, at this deal. Yeah, a lot of bank news. Uh, yes. There's some consolidation in Italy. HSBC cutting 35,000 jobs, cutting their a balance sheet by $100 billion over three years as they face not just the Hong Kong protests, but Brexit, U.S.-China. I mean, they, they're all kinds of... Yeah, the, re- the retrenchment in Europe... large job cut number, 35,000. There is tremendous retrenchment in Europe. But you know where there is? Santander. Uh, I am continually impressed by Anna Poutine. Uh, she bought a huge amount of stock personally. This is SAN. Uh, they, they're a growth vehicle. Spain's a growth area. Yeah. Portugal. Um, executive changes that we need to address this what? morning. Ed Breen taking over as CEO. Oh, of boy. You know, we've yep. talked about DuPont here and there. We've mentioned it, of course. It's over four years ago since they got the deal, DuPont and Dow, and then, of course, they got them all together, and now it's a lot of different companies. It's Dow, it's DuPont, it's Portiva. They put the agricultural businesses together and created that. Uh, but DuPont has not performed well at all. Um, the question becomes how much of that is unexpected concerns about liability uh, at PFOA, I think, at can be covered. Where they may have right. to stand behind right. it eventually, right. DuPont and Fortiva. Um, and how much it has simply been the lack of execution on the part of the CEO and CFO, both of whom have now uh, left. Ed Breen coming back in uh, as CEO, Jim. Yeah, I think what's important is, is that the company did guide down three times. Three times is not a charm when you do a guide down. I question whether Mr. Doyle really gave the board an accurate read. Uh, I believe that Ed Breen is, uh, this is not a temporary CEO. I think he wants a real shot at fixing it. I know that the sales were down. There was no leverage. Uh, So I do think that this is a very positive move. If you own the stock, obviously they have China exposure. They have nobody who has coronavirus who works in China exposure. 13 facilities, by the way, in China. Uh, can't really get them all running at the speed you want. Uh, I think this is actually a good uh, metaphor. They have a running with, say, a third of the people showing up. And one of the reasons why it's so hard to show up is because the Chinese don't want you to leave your place. And you have a lot of people working at home, which is why Zoom should continue to go up. But I believe that Ed being full-time there is fantastic. You do? You think it's a good thing? I mean, yeah, well, it's not yeah. that often we see a CEO and CFO dismissed. Right. Thank you very much. You bet. Uh, obviously, Breen very involved with the company. But some believe he's more of a guy who takes a company and deals with all those things he did when he was running DuPont, namely the merger, the divestitures, and the, the running of right. the portfolio, so to speak, to maximize value. But this is a day-to-day nuts-and-bolts job now at DuPont. I so Cutting agree. costs, getting things where they need to be, and still dealing with this sort of broader, you know, question of some of these liabilities they didn't expect. Yeah, I think uh, the PFOA, uh, PFOA this is a, uh, finally, you're finally coming to reckoning on foam for firefighters. I believe 3M has far more exposure here. Uh, I do think that one of the things that people should recognize that I was surprised is that what are the markets that have been hurt? Electronics and auto, hard to believe that those can be good. But auto, I guess right. they, tough, I guess right? they yeah. could be better. 
Uh, and the stranded costs are not being taken out nearly as much as to please Ed Breen. I just think that Ed Breen had had enough of Doyle uh, and that Doyle was not delivering repeatedly. I question how much Doyle necessarily told everybody how things were doing. So this is a, I hate to say it, but I'll use the term, it's a good riddance. And I think the stock, uh, if you have a positive view of the world, which obviously a lot of people do, you want to buy the stock. Uh, I am not as sanguine as others. Uh, meantime, Mark Zuckerberg's been making the rounds in Europe. Yesterday, he met with top EU officials in Brussels as the bloc gets ready to release some new proposals on regulating AI. And over the weekend, Zuckerberg outlined his case for how Facebook should be regulated. Here's what he said at a security conference in Munich. I think that there needs to be regulation in at least four areas touching our company. Um, and they are elections and, and political discourse around content more broadly, content moderation, um, privacy, and data portability. And the, the, the reason why I really believe that this needs to happen is because there are a lot of decisions in these areas that are really just balances between different social values. Interesting. On a day where we learn uh, Bloomberg spending about a million a day yeah. on Facebook, Spain's moving ahead with digital service taxes. I was very impressed by what Mark had to say. Uh, the one of the uh, really one of the main thrusts is that they are doing what you might want in terms of fraudulent advertising. I know that there's a sense that people feel it's totally laissez-faire. Uh, they're spending a lot of money trying to figure out what's fraudulent and what's not. I regard that as a different, more positive posture than where they were during the fabled uh, Georgetown speech, where I think that there was a notion that Mark didn't believe that anything should be regulated. Maybe that's a misinterpretation, but that's what a lot of people felt. Right. Uh, that the uh, little snippet that we had is different from what I feel, which is that uh, I hear you people and I am not going to let us do what a lot of people feel we do, which is say... Uh, Caveat emptor. No more caveat emptor for Mark. But Mark needs to tell his story better, but I find myself telling his story, which is rather odd. <laughs> uh, session low, 166 to the downside. We're down 103 right now. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hi, Bob. Happy Tuesday, Carl. Uh, three days in a row down for the Dow. It's mostly Apple, though, and a little bit of Boeing affected it. You look at the global market, you think, boy, this, this is a serious statement from Apple, but it's not enormous reaction. The Hong Kong was down 1%. Japan's had a couple of, of weak days. Uh, their uh, economic data has not been great recently. They're down. Shanghai was flat. The stock 600 over in Europe, that's the main indicator for Europe here. That's flat. S&P 500 down 0.2%. That's either side of uh, positive or negative. That's just the typical morning here. If you take a, take a look at the sectors, yes, of course, the semiconductors are going to be the weakest sector out here because the Apple suppliers are weak. Energy's down, but it's been a terrible performer all year. Industrial's kind of flattish. That's either side of normal, 0.2, 0.3%. We've got a new high on the utilities. This is not dramatic reactions for the market. And, and the usual Apple suppliers you see here down 2 or 3%. Uh, not a big surprise, but this could have been a lot worse under any other market. So, you know, everybody believes like coronavirus, this is the biggest threat to the world economy today, right? Well, they didn't tell some of the people they, uh, that took the Bank of America fund survey. Look at this. I follow this every month. The biggest threat to the, to the global uh, economy, the global markets right now, is the 2020 election. This is a survey of global fund managers. 26% say it's number one. How is that possible? We're all worried about coronavirus. It's got to be number two. No, it's not even number two. Bond bubble popping is number two concern. Number three, way out there, is coronavirus. So... Fund managers have other things on their minds besides coronavirus. And there's a sort of like a what-me-worry attitude about this. Like either side of whether it's good or bad, long-term, it's going to work out. If it's a short-term blip, we're going to do the economy's going to bounce back in the second half. What's everybody worried about it? If it's a longer-term issue, we're going to be dealing this with for months now. Oh, don't worry. The central banks will step in. The Australian central bank had this whole debate over the weekend. They didn't do anything, but they made it clear if it really got worse, they were going to start stepping in. Everyone believes the central banks will step in if things really get worse. You see, if it's better, we don't worry. If it's not better, don't worry. They'll fix it. 
that's sort of the attitude that we're dealing with right now. Elsewhere, just a couple of things that are moving here. Everybody keeps asking for the last week, why is Virgin Galactic going up? There's some individual things with Virgin Galactic, but the important thing is space in general is a really hot concept. Satellites are a really hot concept. They have been moving. There's small groups of satellite manufacturers that have been moving very strongly here besides Virgin. Iridium, Maxar, Dish Network, Loral Space. These are all uh, 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 contractors that are in the satellite business have been strong recently. So there's a general interest in space overall. Finally, David was mentioning uh, Franklin buying Leg Mason. I think the important thing here is active fund managers continue to see dramatic outflows. They are not in the, in the Vanguard anymore. Vanguard's the ones that are getting it. The passive managers, there was a story out a little while ago that Franklin was seeing 10% reductions in its asset under management uh, on a month-over-month basis for, for, for a full year in January. That's a serious number, and that's going to force these kinds of mergers to continue to happen. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob, thank you very much. Let's get to the bomb pits as well. Check in with Rick Santelli at the CME in Chicago. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Carl. Well, if we were to close here, two-year note yields would be closing about a one-week low yield and about a week and a half, almost two weeks for 10-year note yields. Look at a 24-hour chart of 10s. They have dipped, of course, closed yesterday. The entire Yield curve is down two basis points, so it's a parallel shift. Look at a year to date of 10s and do realize that on the 31st of January, the last days when we made the low close of this cycle right under 151, open it up to September, you can see all the work we're doing down at levels that are only a stone's throw away from very historic lows. And that really makes many investors a bit apprehensive about looking for yields to bounce too high. As a matter of fact, most of those selling bounces are met with buying. Dollar index, it's up a third of a cent today. It's taken out that very significant high at 99.37 from last year. So as you look at the one-week chart, here we have surged over 99.40. Should we close here, as you see on the next chart, it'd be the best close since May of 2017, call it 33 months. And also remember, 58% of the dollar index is the euro. The euro has lost the 110 handle. It's now trading with the 109 handle as we continue to see the European currency reflect weakness. Carl, David, Jim, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. Everybody, make sure to check out our podcast. You can listen to the opening bell hour this hour of Squawk on the Street, wherever you listen to podcasts. Dow down 188. We've cut our initial losses roughly in half, and the 30-year yield is back above two. Back in a minute. It's been a wild day for Tesla as far as sell-side research goes. Both Bernstein and Morgan Stanley up their targets to 730 and 500, but they keep their rating. Stock's up almost 6%. Dow's down 112. We're back in a moment. There's been a flurry of commentary this morning regarding uh, U.S.-China trade policy. Let's get to Eamon Javers for more on that. Eamon? Yeah, Carl, that's exactly right. And some of that commentary coming from the president of the United States himself just within the past couple of minutes. Now, this is a fascinating tweet from the president because folks I'm talking to in the past few minutes here at the White House don't know exactly what he's talking about. But this tweet seems to have some significant potential bearing on General Electric because the Wall Street Journal reported on Friday that the administration was considering holding off on allowing General Electric to sell a certain jet engine to the Chinese uh, airline industry. Now, the president tweeted out uh, that he wants the United States to be open for business, saying the United States cannot and will not become such a difficult place to deal with in terms of foreign countries buying our product, including for the always used national security excuse that our companies will be forced to leave in order to remain competitive. The president saying, we want to sell product and goods to China and other countries. That's what trade is all about. We don't want to make it impossible to do business with us. That will only mean that others' orders will go someplace else. As an example, I want China to buy our jet engines the best in the world. I've seen some of the regulations being circulated, including those being contemplated by Congress, and they are ridiculous. I want to make it easy to do business with the United States, not difficult. Everyone in my administration is being so instructed with no excuses. So, Carl, that seems to be uh, a direct refutation here of the Wall Street Journal reporting from Friday that the administration was considering a proposal to halt deliveries of jet engines co-produced by General Electric for a new airliner that was being developed uh, in China. The particular engine here was called the Leap 1C jet engine that would be going to um, the Chinese industry Comac jetliner. So, uh, 
we're going to get some more information here from the White House about what the president specifically is ordering his administration to do. But he seems to be signaling he wants American companies to be able to sell their product uh, in China despite national security concerns that do sometimes prop up around that issue. Carl? Right. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, Jim, this is like the opposite of a Section 232 tweet. Yeah. I mean, look, the president is, is not. Look, it's the leap engine. It's the best engine in the world. United Technology may disagree with that, but it does not impact the leap. So therefore, it's really not significant. Even the, the story on Friday was not significant. So I think the president's correcting a not significant story, uh, making it very clear that there should be no interference with China. That is very important because but a lot dealt, of people you've feel dealt it. with and you're reporting with factions within the White House that were certainly very anti-China. Right. Do we think that there are still people there working a different agenda and they've been told now through this tweet to back off? Correct. Okay. Yeah, straight. The only thing people worry about right now, pills. They want to know what's made uh, the, in China. The, the tweet pills. literally happened as Navarro was on CNN. Uh, so well, it's, who knows the backstory on this one day lot. will there's, be fascinating. Yeah. Well, uh, the president clearly is, the, the, some of these companies were worried. I was with a company this weekend that was very confident that that was, Friday was not right. All right, Jim. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, price action-wise today, but what do you got tonight? I've got Endeavor, which is Ari Emanuel. That company is a, is a not an open company. It's still private. Still private. Uh, yeah, had, Cloudflare. Had to and pulled its IPO. Yep, Cloudflare. You know, look, that's a company that if you want to buy instead of Netflix or Akamai, you want to buy that. And then Live Person had a horrendous outlook. Spend, spend, spend. Stock was down big. Uh, we got to find out what the hell went on. And it's not going to be positive. It's going to be informative. All right, Jim. Uh, Good stuff, as always. We'll see you tonight. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. The coronavirus fears continue to weigh on businesses. Apple, of course, warning that it will not meet revenue projections due to the outbreak. Our Eunice Yoon is in Beijing this morning with more. Hi, Eunice. Hi, Carol. Well, State TV quoted President Xi Jinping tonight saying that China would be able to meet its economic growth target for the year. This is despite all of the disruption to business. In fact, 760 million people now are effectively quarantined because of travel curbs or community lockdowns. And this came as Apple warned that it would miss its March quarterly revenue guidance because of weaker demand and slower production for the iPhone. So other U.S. companies as well are expecting production delays. In fact, AmCham uh, had a survey here in China uh, finding that half expected to struggle with a lack of workers for up to four weeks. Now, the Beijing Auto Show is set for April and usually comes around that time. Is just the latest corporate event to be postponed. Also, Beijing's major political gathering, which happens in March, the National People's Congress, is also probably going to be delayed. Lawmakers said that they're going to have a discussion about that next Monday. Now, one industry that's hoping to make a comeback, casino operators, M- GM, Las Vegas Sands, as well as Wynn. Uh, Macau authorities said that they are allowing the casino operators now to reopen as of Thursday or any time thir- within 30 days from then. Now, the... Um uh, authorities here are taking very extreme measures to contain the, the virus, even though President Xi Jinping had sounded quite confident tonight. In fact, uh, one measure is by the central bank. Uh, the central bank has now decided that it's going to deep clean its cash just in case the virus can be uh, transmitted through the bills. The bills are going to be uh, sanitized through ultra UV rays. And then after that, um, quarantine for seven days in most parts of China, 14 days in the most affected areas at the epicenter and the hospitals, the markets, as well as the uh, public transportation in the epicenter are also uh, going to have all of their cash destroyed. Guys? Uh, just a remarkable uh, ripple effect of this story. Eunice Yun in uh, Beijing. Eunice, thank you. A reminder, by the way, do not miss a special report tonight on the coronavirus outbreak, something we're doing every night at 7 p.m. Nice basket of news for all of the coronavirus headlines you might have missed during the day. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.